0: Is back. This week we've got UFC Vegas 43 and Ted Lyman in the women's band and weight division, where we see Ketlin Vieira taking on Misha Tate. Misha Tate's the household name, man, but in the co main event, we've got Michael Chiesa taking on Sean Brady, and what should be my main event here on this fight night. We're going to switch things up a little bit looking at the YouTube statistics. Our average watch time is only about 8 to 12 minutes, so we're going to get the big important fights out of the way first going forward. Um, last week's card, absolute nuts card, man. Flew underneath the radar, a ton of finishes. Going into the night, only two of those eleven fights were even, you know, favored to have a finish, and we came out with only two of the fights even going, you know, the full distance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, including myself, did not have a very good night, um, but I'm glad to have you um, because talked us off a lot, a whole lot of those bets. And you know, even if it's just very minuscule profit, we profited. We will take it That's every right. single time. <laughs>
1: Um, you go down the list of what we bet the Miguel Baeza bet you know we talked about you know possibly trying to hit Baeza by decision only. we knew he was a little bit chinny, yeah. and lo and behold, he does <laughs> let us down. Um, he He ends up getting touched up uh, kind of given uh, Williams the only fight that Williams could right. win at that point. he was severely um, hurt in his lead leg. his movement was was a problem, and Baeza chose to stand in the pocket and trade with him. I don't understand it at all. Um, looking back, I think Baeza was the side. I think he was the better yeah, fighter, but, um, you know, <laughs> that's, how it goes that's how it goes sometimes. We made an awesome bet on Daoom yeah. um, Jung over Kennedy. Yes, we did. I mean, at minus 115, <laughs> I'm glad we hit it for two. And we waited. I mean, we yeah, waited. we did wait. The, the line continued to move towards Kennedy and glad that we took that, um, for two units. It's, it's really what saved our night. For sure. Um, then we go to the Woodson fight. Woodson looked awesome. Yeah. Covered his price tag at and minus you're 310. Inside the distance and... I laid off, man.
0: Uh, that body work was stupid.
1: It was crazy, man. Um, and then the, the the Casey win it's it's or the the Casey pick. It's one of those ones where maybe we should have waited until weigh ins. I know once weigh ins happen, Alves looks fucking huge, yes. even at one fifty five. <laughs> no. So um, you know, it, it's one of those ones. We're learning. Uh, we we ended up losing a unit and a half on that one, but then probably made our best bet on the night in the next one, and it was in the main event. Um, where we were able to snag the over two and a half rounds at minus 175. Only put a unit and a half on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there was a, you know, a little problem in the uh, DraftKings lines. No, yeah. you know, we kind of exploited the book's lines, but fuck them bookies, you Absolutely. Know? We'll take it there all of week.
0: it. It was there all week and fair play to us. Uh, I know it's plenty of opportunities for that fight to uh, have finished. It was a killer oh, fight. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I think that was our best play of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing I don't think we've quite released yet. I think we're looking at around, you know, the Pat Sabatini, Cody Durden and stuff, but we'll get into it here in just a second. In the main event, we go to the women's bantamweight division where we see
1: Misha Cupcake Tate taking on Ketlin Vieira. I'm not sure that I have an amazing read on this fight, but we are going to make this the casual cap challenge right here. Um, We think it'll be one that's kind of a coin flip fight. It's the main event and uh, we love those type of fights to put the cap on. Um, My breakdown from this is more or less taking the standpoint that Tate's kind of over the hill and um, this new era of women's kind of Mm -hmm. surpassing her. Um, A lot of the confidence on the Tate side comes from the Marion Renault win um, and a lot of her Instagram pictures. (laughs) You know, Um, if you look on Instagram, she does look absolutely great. I for sure think that she's juicing. <laughs> she's with TJ Dillashaw's uh, EPO coach now, and you can tell. Like you don't take four years off, have a kid, and then come back with the best body in your li- of your life. Um, outside of that, you know the Marion Renault win. That's a forty-year-old on a four-fight losing streak, and um, you know I-, I truly think that Caitlin Vieira is kind of just that—that that bigger, um, stronger woman that is going to be able to stop the takedowns that Misha Tate brings. Uh, Caitlin Vieira sports a 92% takedown defense, while Misha Tate uh, only has a 32% takedown efficiency. Even in Misha Tate's heyday four years ago, I think that she was a fighter that kind of capitalized on the mistakes of her opponents, rather than um, going in there strong-arming these girls and and implementing her game plan. I, I just I was never really impressed with her and her coming back against somebody like Caitlin Vieira who's gonna probably be able to keep the fight standing. Uh I think that Vieira has the better striking and will
0: probably get the best of Misha over um three of the five rounds. I gotcha. So I'll I will gladly take Misha Tate and make you wear this hat again on <laughs> her uh next week. Uh with Caitlin Vieira though, you're right, man. This girl's absolutely just huge for the division and she uses a whole lot of that strength and stuff rather than Um, technique that I like to see and she missed weight last time out against Kuniskaya and you know missed weight again here and she's she's you know up there with Dumont and Ladd at 145 here Mm -hmm. because she is a massive 135er but she's kind of slow and plotting to me you know a whole lot of her takedowns like I said are just out muscling some of these girls that she can Um, and when she's on top she's got some pretty good ground and pound you know to try to open up her submissions but um, she does not have a very good gas tank when she is made to grapple, and I think that was proven in the Yana Kunitskaya fight. Um, should Yana have been the unanimous decision winner there? Maybe not, um, but it is definitely evident that Kaitlin Vieira, you know, the grinding type of wrestling type of style, really wears on her because she's got a she's got a bad weight cut ahead of her. You saw her TKO'd badly by Irene Aldana in round one. And I just trust that Misha coming in um, is going to give her that style of fight, you know, um, much like Kunitskaya did, much like she did with the um, her you know, her last time out against Marion or no on her layoff. And it's also, you know, good, um, you know, to get that five-year layoff, you know, off your chest and stuff. So I think a better Misha Tate's going to come in around this time. What I like uh, Misha here, you know, it's basically a pick I believe, but I like Misha Tate, round four or five decision. Um, you can get that on some of the books. And like Max Holloway last week, you know, it took him from like a minus 600 down to a minus 150. Takes Misha Tate to like a plus 155, plus 160. I think on the round four and five, I think that wrestling, that grappling going to tend to fade um, or tend to wear on Caitlyn, and she's going to start to fade. Rear naked choke there, but um, I like Misha Tate by decision here, but I, I do hate that this is the main event. Yeah. Co-main event, we're in the welterweight division where we see Michael Chiesa, who's seventeen and five, taking on the undefeated Sean Brady, who's fourteen and zero. This is a good fucking fight, man. Best I know fight I, on the card for sure. I texted you a couple weeks ago whenever you know I started looking at this card and said, "When did this fight even get put together?" You know, it completely uh, slipped my mind. Um, with Chiesa, you know, wasn't but a couple months ago he was on what a four-fight win streak in the welterweight division. You know, one of the longest. And Kamaru Usman was out there talking about him as a potential opponent if he could get through Vicente Luque. Um, and the wheels fell off. Man, it was going exactly how he wanted to, um, and it ends up going exactly how a lot of Kiesa fights do, in my opinion. Um, he's in that relative quitter box, I guess you could say. When the wheels fall off for Kiesa, they fall off quick. And uh, props to him here for taking—I don't, you know, not necessarily a step down, but taking an undefeated prospect, somebody who not a lot of people know of, Sean Brady, outside of Hamzat. You know, he's probably one of the the biggest welterweight prospects everybody has their mm-hmm. eye on right now. He trains up in Philly, um, where he's training with Andre Petroski, who is a very, very talented wrestler, who I'm sure is given him constant wrestling looks like he's going to be needing here. Kiesa, the dude is just downright awful on the feet, if you want my honest opinion. I think Sean Brady has an unreal advantage here in the boxing with his left hook, with his calf kick. I expect him to uh, to cause Kiesa a whole lot of troubles on the feet, but I also can't count on a world where Kiesa wet blankets and wrestle fucks somebody, you know. So... Currently, I don't have any action on this one, but the pick is Sean Brady. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, so coming into this week, I thought that there was going to be a lot of opinions on this fight, and nobody would really know what the fuck's going to happen. But the more I look at it, the more I really do think that Brady's kind of got him outclassed in every aspect of MMA to this point. Um, I think that he's the far superior boxer. I think that he's the more powerful wrestler, Mm -hmm. uh, more likely to end up on top, I guess is what I mean by that. And um, I think that he's in a mindset where he's much more focused on improving his game, getting that title shot um, than looking good on camera. Not getting his commentary notes ready. (laughs) Right, right. Um, You know, you've already identified Michael Chiesa as being kind of that quitter, but if I'm being completely honest, he kind of seems like the fighter where over the course of his career he has handpicked his opponents um, that match up well to his skill set. And this is probably the first time I've seen him take a step in in his career that's – Risky, risky. Yeah. You know, Vicente Luque. Um, yeah, that's a tough matchup for anybody, but that's his best option in the top <laughs> ten. You yeah. know, like there's a there's a ton of killers, and for him to take Sean Brady, who's ranked 12th yeah. now, something like that, um, it was it was surprising to see that for me. When Kiesa was um, at 155, his his biggest thing was him being way bigger right. than everybody. Even at 170, the majority of people, he's way bigger than Sean Brady's gonna be way wider than him you know yeah he's one of the like most triangular looking fighters i've ever seen and i think that he's probably gonna have his way with kiesa um throw it on you you know like you touched on kiesa not having the best striking yeah man and not to mention he can't really take a hit you know shows up if he does find success I, i think it'll be um Later in the fight, or not, not later in the fight. I'm sorry. If he does find success, it'll probably be right off the bat when they first engage. If he can win those wrestling exchanges, but even mm-hmm. if he does, like you said, he's kind of um, never proven to produce significant ground and pound when yeah. he is on top. Oh, yeah. um, so, even if he edges out rounds by winding up top, I think that uh, Brady will eventually find his chin. Um, like we said. Kessa doesn't like getting hit, and so the more I talk about it, the more I really like Brady here. Um, I think that is really going to give him a chance to kind of step into the top 10 and prove that Mm -hmm. he's one of these upper echelon
0: welterweights on Saturday. Yeah, I think uh, think I'm on the Brady side as well. I think that's where the money's coming in as well. So, you know, if you're going to play Brady, time to do it right now.
1: Mm -hmm. We move on to the Bantamweight division where we see Ronnie Yaya taking on Kai Young-ho Kang. Close Pretty enough. good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, we actually disagree on this fight already. Um, I know a lot of people are um, on the fence with Yaya because of his age. You know, he's a month removed from his 37th birthday. Um, but I do think that he's kind of proven himself to be the more reliable fighter at this point in his career. Um, you look up and down Yaya's record, and he doesn't have the most quality of wins, but he's at least winning decisively. Um, 11 of his 16 wins are by finish where kang on the other hand really struggles with that man you know one he has some really long layoffs and two four of his last six fights are split decisions man um and when he has had success in his career they've been by submission so you know am i convinced that kang's going to be able to take it to the ground and find success with somebody like yaya I don't think so. I think Yaya's um, got a 24% takedown defense, and it's because he's he's more more willing okay. to pull guard than he is to get into a striking match. You know, um, Neither one of these guys have given me a ton of reason to back him, but I am going to lean Yaya here. I think that Kang has the striking advantage, but like I said, I don't think
0: that Yaya's going to settle um, by standing up on the feet with him for three rounds uh, yeah yeah I definitely agree with you that King has the uh, striking advantage with Yaya um, you know the age it's a little bit concerning but more or less for me um, you know I know King has had his layoffs but Yaya's just he's not really been a consistent fighter and he's not been one that I think I've seen improvements from from fight to fight it's almost like a, a lack of any type of striking improvements throughout the career it's just and and almost in the wrestling as well. it It's not really, I haven't seen the wrestling, you know, and the offensive wrestling improve. But, in you know, Intel, he always does find a way to get a lot of his fights down to the mat. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. The dude is, all well, cans. When you look at his 12 UFC wins, they combine for an 18-44 and 44 record. And all of them, except for Eddie Wineland, um, are no longer in the UFC. And, and Eddie Wineland has literally been TKO'd badly in his last two and you know, he was on the way out himself. So, um, you know, not that King Ho Kong has beaten people that are you know <laughs> much better, but um, you know, Yaya has been in there at the UFC a long time, but he's never really beaten anybody significant. Um, with King Yo Kong, a little bit of inconsistency. You know, Korean military sentence. He had to go away do four years for that. So, you know, Mister Perfect, he he looks doesn't really look thirty four. You know, he's still pretty young in the fight miles and everything. And since returning, he's won four of his last five, only losing the you know once to Ricardo Ramos who's was a pretty good fighter. I know they're split decisions man, but when I go back and watch the ones over um, Ping Guang Lu and Brandon Davis, it's almost like Rama's on a like you know he just he he definitely wins that fight in my opinion. They should not have been splits. He just doesn't do anything on the mat. He's way more content with just being positionally sound, being the bigger bantam weight and laying on top of you. And I think, you know, he's got a good enough submission defense that if this does hit the mat, I think he's going to ride Yaya out on top and stay safe from those submissions. Um, but I do favor him, you know, on the feet here too. Um, no huge play, um, and it is one of the relatively, you know, closer fights. I think it's straight up pick them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a pick them four months ago when they were supposed to fight as well. Um, I don't think many people know what's going to happen when these two get locked in the cage on Saturday. as You don't really know with Yaya's fights. He's pretty crazy. I'm gonna go with King Hokong by decision, but yeah, it's not one that I'm just riding to the bank to bet. Moving down to the women's flyweight division, we see Joanne Wood, who's fifteen and six, taking on Talia Santos, who is eighteen and one. Joanne Wood and Syndicate's longtime head coach, yeah, uh John Wood, finally tied the knot there, so changing her name. Uh, you know, she is coming off a very, very close fight with Lauren Murphy, you know, one that she has a very good argument that she could have won. Um, But that was her second time out where she was one fight away from the belt and came up short. You know, the other one to note is the Jennifer Maya fight where she was already matched up with Valentina, who had to pull out for an injury, and she decides to take another fight, I guess, as a a tune-up fight. And it just doesn't, you know, doesn't go her way and uh, looked downright awful on that one. um, And that one's kind of... For me, put a big shadow on JoJo, you know, because I don't really know which one is going to show up in the octagon. She's got unreal volume, you know. In four of her last five fights, she's put up over 100 strikes. So, while if it goes to decision, you know, she's definitely going to make a case for herself. But she's shown some very bad takedown defense holes in in the past, and I think that's what's going to cost her here with, with Talia Santos. For me, Talia Santos is the Manon Faroe, you know, coming through the division. They are very, very hard to get a line on. A good line to play on but I think these two girls are are the two you know young new wave that are coming up to replace these older names Um, Santos is the pick Santos a lot of writing time a lot of wrestling by decision how do you see this one
1: yeah I I wish the odds makers hadn't nailed it like they did I'd love to play Santos here but I'm not sure I love the minus 300 price tag maybe Mm -hmm. um, there's some there's some opportunities to Mm -hmm. parlayer um, but at the end of the day, we're trying to predict a women's flyweight fight. That's and going um, to decision. <laughs> rarely do I have the confidence to lay three to one on anybody not named Shevchenko. Right. You know, um, I think out of the two, Calderwood probably has the striking advantage, yeah. or at least the, the cleaner striking. Course, the um, so. Santos has the power advantage though, and depending on which judges are scoring the cards, you know, even in the striking realm, Santos might have the advantage 100%. in their eyes. Yeah um santos you know she she moves forward looks to clinch you up and then use those body lock takedowns the the outside trips um to get the fight to the mat where she does have the most success um when this fight does hit the mat i really got to edge this to the brazilian and santos Um, i know jojo's ground game has been good throughout her career um, but santos has been one of these girls where um, she's slowly climbing that totem pole um, to becoming the best grappler in the division um it's it's kind of sad when we break down the JoJo fight. You touched on her really not getting that opportunity. It uh it sucks that she'll probably never get that title shot opportunity because of these prospects that are coming up yep. into the rankings. I uh I probably definitely her last shot probably your last shot, and this is um probably the the least likely one she's gonna win yeah. between um. Fucking, the, Maya the Maya and, and, and Murphy. The Murphy fight. 100%. So um, yeah, I like Santos here. I don't love putting minus laying minus three hundred on
0: her, although she'll more, most likely cover that price tag. I'm with you, man. With JoJo, you talked about the body lock, the clinch, takedowns that Santos likes. Joanne's you know Muay Thai background; she loves the clinch, and she's going to be more than happy to clinch up with her, where she's going to be at a significant streaked advantage. We're talking about a girl who used to fight a straw weight versus a girl who used to fight a bantam weight, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while you talked about Joanne might have the striking advantage. That girl does not get her head off the center line for nothing. Talia Santos is definitely going to have, you know, the openings um, for her shots as well. Um, Santos did lose to Mara borella just a couple did. years ago, she though. She did, uh, and it's a debut, so you almost want to give her a pass, but it is a, uh, it is definitely a little asterisk that's there for. Her. But yeah, Santos is is definitely like I said, one of those prospects coming up in the division that even though it's a. Hard to get a line on her. I think she's the right side here. To be fair, I do think that this is probably Santos's toughest test uh-huh. today. You it? know,
1: between Molly McCann, Jillian Robertson, and Roxy, um, I would say Joanne Calderwood or Joanne Wood has mm-hmm. the uh, upper hand on all of them. I just don't think that it's a significant
0: jump. Right, and you know, Joanne Calderwood. Like I said, this fight's probably going to go to decision. Joanne Calderwood, by decision, is plus 350. No, it's plus 460, plus 460 on FanDuel. On FanDuel. And, and that is a little bit absurd crazy. because this fight has a very good significant chance of hitting the decisions. And if JoJo's going to put up over 100 significant strikes like she has in a lot of her previous fights, she could make a case for herself, man. Mm-hmm.
1: Very interesting matchup in the Bantamweight division next, where we see Adrian Yanez taking on Davey Grant. Um I texted P earlier in the week thinking that the Grant line was pretty wide, and it's only moved up since I texted him that, man. Um, I feel like Adrian Yanez is a fan favorite. You're always going to have to lay a little bit of extra juice mm-hmm. on him if you want to play him. Um, he's got great boxing combinations and a willingness to stay inside that pocket to get his shots mm-hmm. off. I don't think it's crazy to say that he's got lackluster boxing defense, you know. Yeah. Um, Duke gets beat up quite a bit, and um, he eats a lot of heavy shots to uh, to set up his offense. Um, and against somebody like Davey Grant, sure, Davey Grant's been um, rocked a couple of times, but over a 16-fight career, he's never been knocked out. Um, I, I see the openings that they're talking about on the feet with Grant having these wide, like, um, wide hooks whenever yeah. he enters and, and the opportunity for Yanez to catch him. Um, but I, I'm kind of on the side that Grant's chin holds up. And then as far as the rest of the MMA game, I think Grant has the upper hand. I know he's kind of fallen in love with striking recently, um, but the, take, the incorporating takedowns against Yanez has to be the game plan coming into yeah, this fight. Grant, um, in his last four fights, has nine takedowns, so it's not going to be like foreign for him to go to this grappling uh, well. And I think people might be drawing from Yanez's 100% takedown defense, but look at who is against, man. (laughs) Victor Rodriguez accounts for three of the five takedowns he stuffed. And it's like, I I don't know, I really do think that Grant's going to test Yanez's takedown defense for the first time, truly, in the UFC. Um, which is enough for me to take a, a little stab on um, on Gravy Davy at plus 255,
0: you know? I um, I don't know if I want to take a stab on it just because uh, I don't know if I can trust Davy to go out there and wrestle. I, which is fair. Right, That's fair. you know. But at the same time, we just saw Adrian Yanez as a minus 200 favorite to Randy Costa, and he 100%... Drops round one on every scorecard. Mm-hmm. So to be a minus three hundred, minus three fifty in some places or whatever, I, I'm not going to be playing Giannis. Is kind of what I'm going to be getting at here. But you know, he, the guy has taken home three fifty k bonuses. You know, in the start of the UFC, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to just make allegations, but it, you cannot let it get to his head, you know, and stuff like that, the knockouts that he's getting, they will, and he's just climbing a ladder, and now he's got somebody with a shit ton of heart and a shit ton of durability that, in my opinion, um, is not going to quit, kind of like Randy Costa did out there, you know, um, but at the same time, Giannis is very, very good fighter, in my opinion, and Aljamain Sterling bringing you in to, you know, replicate Peter Yan for his camp should... Should really give him a boost of confidence to, you know, to show you how good he is. As that, if he needed that head right, end up anymore. Um, but I just think Davey Grant is going to be giving Giannis the type of fight the Giannis is, you know, the Giannis is going to need to win here. And Grant, he has he owns his own, like, SBG franchise there in Ireland and stuff. But his friend, Grant Burleson, who got knocked out on the Contender Series a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. he's actually stayed and he's been working at Syndicate. So he's getting some good rounds in before here. Um... And, and he's a guy that you and I—I I wouldn't necessarily say have backed, but you know, we, we we saw the knockout coming against Martin Day. But we told everybody not to parlay Jonathan Martinez when he was fighting Davy Grant. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that dog in him, um, and I think Adrian Yanez has that dog in him too. I don't think he's going to be going nowhere if Davy Grant starts touching him up. This is a sleeper for um, for fight of the night. Um, it, it'll be it'll be hard for me to see Adrian Yanez covering a minus three thirty price tag here. But I am going to side with him. There's no chance he submits Davy Grant. So you can take the line down a little bit with a double chance on the TKO or decision. I'm going to side with Giannis just because I think Davy Grant gives him the striking fight he wants. But uh, you're not going to see a play from us, probably. I,
1: I tend to wonder how much of this Davey Grant plus money is coming from him losing to Marlon Vera, who right. just proved is like upper, upper echelon of for bantamweight. Sure. Um, so I think he's kind of getting penalized for something that I think Adrian Giannis
0: would get beat yeah. worse um, than than Davy Grant did. Yeah. Lines off but I don't know if Davy Grant entices me enough to, to back him. In the prelim main event we're in the featherweight division where we see Tucker Lutz who's 12-1 and one, taking on Pat Sabatini who's 15-3. and three. You know Tucker Lutz he's won his last two fights on the Contender Series and the Aguilar fight both by decisions, both by being able to use his wrestling um, against primary strikers, primary boxers. And now he's got a guy in front of him in Pat Sabatini who, in my opinion, has twice the level of wrestling, twice the level of jujitsu, jitsu and it's going to negate a whole lot of Tucker Lutz's, um, you know, where a lot of the areas Tucker Lutz has success in. The guy t- trains at a team ground control where I don't think he's getting near the looks as Pat Sabatini is, who's up there training with Petroski, Jeremiah Wells, um, with Sean Brady, who's in the co-main event, you know. And he's a Daniel Gracie black belt. Um, he's born and raised uh, in Philadelphia, Northeast Wrestling. I just, I really, really like Pat Sabatini. I'm hesitant to call him Chenny. Um, Emerson has a long, long reach, man. Caught him mid-stand sw- uh, switch, but even more impressive than that is Sabatini is rocked beyond belief and gets mounted, gets his back taken, and is still able to gain his wits back, find a leg, and that just shows you the level of the ground skills that this guy has. I'm on Pat Sabatini here. Um, but I think we really like that decision only at minus 125, man. The decision only, I think, is a fucking steal. You get mm-hmm. a better line on Pat Sabatini
1: than you can now at minus 125, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about the chin or cardio issues mm-hmm. of Pat Sabatini, right. both of which, you know, I do, I have seen evidence that um, they could be questionable. And the Tristan Connolly fight. I could see this fight going very, very similar where we see Pat Sabatini dominate for two rounds and then Tucker Lutz being as durable as he is and, um, having the gas tank that he does, strong as he is, an X-155-er, um, could get the, could continue to get the fight to the feet and by the third round really start touching him up where, um, you know, Pat, his hands start getting lower, his chin gets up higher in the air and he, he definitely could get chin checked there, um... Lutz's left hook is yeah. is the biggest problem. That's his money shot. Yes, and and in those exchanges where they where they do clinch up and then break apart, right as soon as he leaves that clinch, mm-hmm. that's where I think Sabatini could get caught. Um, but you know, where's the where's the confidence from Lutz coming from? You know, oh, you man. talked about his contender series fights. Um, in that first one, he's a minus five hundred favorite, yep. gets a decision win, not that great. <laughs> then he's an underdog to Sherard Blackledge right. and, and gets the upset to come into the UFC. Takes on Kevin Aguilar, as we know, Kevin Aguilar, one and four in the UFC, <laughs> shitty, shitty competition, man. Um, personally, I think that Sabatini's wins over um, Connolly and um, Emmers are both better wins than yeah. um, than Tucker Lutz would be, or harder challenges than yeah. Tucker Lutz is going to be here. Um, it's it's kind of saying something when I feel like Lutz's only opportunity to shine is when Pat. Sabatini slows down mm-hmm. right yeah. um, so I love the Sabatini by decision only um, and even the Sabatini money line probably is the better value spot um, in
0: this in this fight yeah, the later the wait, you the later in the week that you wait it is trending close to a pick you know mm-hmm. he was minus 145 and minus 150 two days ago now he's sitting at the minus 130 in places so if you're on the Pat Sabatini side I think you wait and probably get a best number later in the week mm-hmm we move on to the lightweight division where we
1: see Natan Levy taking on Hafa Garcia. And, um, man, if you look online, there's a lot of confidence on the underdog uh, in Levy this weekend. Right. Um, I'm not so sure that that plus 105 price tag that you can get him at right now is even worth the shot, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Um, I think that Garcia, had he knocked out Chris Grootsmacher like he almost did All in right, round one, he probably comes into this fight as a minus 220 against this debutant and Levy. Um, Levy looked great in that contender series fight I'm just not convinced that Shaheen is a legit <laughs> talent you know um, for, uh, for example you know he just lost his, his last regional scene fight to a 5-2 and two fighter so what does Levy beating him up right. really tell you you know?
0: What does Levy laying on top of him really tell you? Right
1: right I think the longer this fight goes the more it kind of favors Levy as we saw um, in Garcia's last yeah. fight he tends to slow down after the first round <laughs> Um, and I don't think that his cardio will hold up over three rounds. So the best way that I see to see this fight or the best way I see to play this fight is doesn't go the distance, which you can get at plus money. Yep. Um, I think that both guys have finishing upside, whether it be Levy making him work for those three rounds or Garcia finding that early knock, or knockout with his powerful striking. Um, 155ers plus money, both of them are, are,
0: are finishers. Yeah. I really like that line i like the i like doesn't go the distance especially at plus money too and levy is you know a guy that I've really been like excited you know I talked to you a couple times about really wanting to see this guy make his debut and really you know you gotta put your bias aside man and my gut tells me Rafa Garcia wins this one here he's uh you know known for doing a whole lot of work in Colorado with Usman and Gagey. who were both just in full camp, so he's mm-hmm. had some really good training lately. He's also moved out to California working with Cub and Juan Archuleta as well. And you're right. I think if he didn't just go out there and let everybody down last time, he'd be a much bigger favorite here. And Grudzmacher did the perfect thing of putting him on his back foot and exhausting him. And it was something that we really hadn't seen before because he had been five rounds in Combate, you know, and then he just shows up on short notice against Nazareth and goes the full three rounds, you know. So it's like I was pretty shocked to see him go out there and gas, and maybe as just a big favorite um you know watching Grootsmacher go out there and get demolished by Alex Hernandez maybe he just wasn't taking it too serious but uh bad bad showing from Rafa Garcia and I know he's itching you know to make up for that one with Levy you know he trains out of syndicate MMA there's a lot of really really good talk about this guy coming out of that gym he's a black belt in karate but he's finished majority of his wins by submission showing he's you know pretty well rounded all around um I'm really curious to see when this fight hits the mat, though, how good Levy is with a guy who has a ton of submission wins, like Rafa Garcia does. Has has Levy really just been fighting, you know, very bad competition? Whereas the last three guys Garcia beat before coming to the UFC are all, you know, have been on the UFC roster in the past. What Natan Levy should do: fire off a ton of kicks from range. He's going to be the little bit bigger guy. He's going to, if he does that, he's going to keep Rafa's hands glued. He's not going to be able to let him get his boxing off because Levy is very, very hittable in this contender series fight. He gets touched up quite a few times. And I think Garcia's gonna have those openings here, you know, and as much as I wanted to wanted to back Levy in his debut, my gut tells me we're off this side. Here's another huge factor for
1: me. I will wait um, until face offs before mm. I pick either side. That right. was kind of what screwed us in the Chris Grutzmacher right. fight when Garcia and oh, him really faced big. off. It was obvious that Chris Kruzmacher was the bigger Way of the two. Bigger, man. Um, so, you know, depending on how Levy sizes up with mm. Garcia, um, we'll tell you whether or not I do end up taking a little stab on Garcia at,
0: you know, pick a mods. Not only that, um, I think is going to have those openings to land his hands. Um, Natan Levy is the karate black belt, and he's kind of just, you know, he doesn't have good striking defense. He tries to implement the karate style, the Wonder Boy style, and, man, he exits with his chin up and his hands down. He's got an extremely wide stance where Hoffa's calf kick is just going to tear into this guy. I do want to see face-offs, but the more I break it down, you know, Hoffa entices me, mm-hmm. dude. In the strawweight division, we see Luma Luke Bume, who's six and two, taking a Lupita Godinez, who's also six and two. Um, you know, I don't really know who is in Lupi's ear, continuing to tell her to just take these short notice fights, but it makes her third fight in I believe forty two days, um, um, beating another record that she already used to have um, with Loma. You know, she's a Tiger Muay Thai product there in Thailand. Looking on her Instagram, it says nine-time Muay Thai champion, and, um, you know, damn, can you really see it when this girl strikes? You know, she throws heat into everything she does. Anytime she gets hit, she makes sure to throw two more shots back at you. Volume's really good, more than double that of Loopy's. and, you know, if this fight is on the feet, then it's more than 100% going to favor Loma here. Um, but the Lupita that I've seen in the UFC has not really wanted to strike, man. You know, she was really, really happy to get into those grappling exchanges with Panay, and... I don't know how much you take it, you know, from her beating a girl in short notice, but she goes out there and ragdolls that girl. And we took a chance on her when she took a short notice at 125 up a weight class because we knew she was going to trap, try to try, um, try and wrestle the much bigger girl, and was it Luana Carolina, I believe? Mm-hmm. And it's just not going to work out. So my Loma, I guess the more I look, in it could be the pick. I see her give up cage control and some takedowns to Genu Fry to Sam Hughes. And to know that the loopy of late wants to grapple, wants to wrestle, it's enough to keep me off um, Loma made that decision, I guess. Okay, I, I actually, I like that. I'm with you on this. It's a tough fight to call.
1: And um, the loopy on short notice, man, yeah. that, that sucks. Yeah. That, that sucks, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I kind of say this all the time, but size is probably the biggest factor I consider when breaking down women's MMA that's outside of the top five mm-hmm. of their respective divisions. Um, you know, it's what I used to, to fade Loopy in her last fight against Luana Carolina. It's what I used to fade Calvillo last week against KGB Lee. Um, and it's what I'm probably going to use to lay off playing Loma this week. Um, Loma is one of my favorite fighters. Mm-hmm. She's an aggressive Muay Thai striker and is consistently adapting her game, which we saw evidence of in her last fight where she landed eight takedowns of her own. Um, instead of being the one consistently fighting off takedowns really good trips almost like peter yans yeah yeah um her her biggest downfall in loma's game is that she's a true adam weight and you know now she's up against a very physically dominant wrestler um and it seems like the size could probably cause her an issue like it did in that hill fight um bloopy decent at best um but her overall skill set doesn't really do it for me and her past fight um i take the most issue is is that is that Panay fight you know you you touched on it 38 years old three years removed from her last fight and um is making it competitive against somebody like loopy who i think stylistically had that covered in every Mm -hmm. way possible she was like the minus 200 i think (laughs) yeah yeah so you know here we have a, a another quick turnaround um and it's against one of the more technically gifted athletes in the division and Loma. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I just think that loopy's team is, is trying to jump on this fight because they think that they have a clear size advantage. Um, but Mm -hmm. if it doesn't surprise me in face offs, um, if Loma does surprise me in face offs and doesn't look a full weight class beneath loopy, I'll probably end up taking that stab on Loma, and waiting
0: isn't going to be an issue because it seems like Loma's line just yeah. continues to go up. Yeah, I agree. She's uh, she's definitely one of the more enticing dogs on Saturday, but it's just the styles make fights, and I know that style of Loopy is what could potentially cause Loma some issues, but yeah, I, I think I agree that the dog's probably the side there. Mm-hmm. We move on to the lightweight division where we see
1: Terrence McKinney taking on Faraz Ziam. Fuck, if we haven't had the worst <laughs> luck trying to cap him, man. He's bested us two times now, and both of them were just the shittiest of decisions. Exactly. You know, uh, whenever, whenever we were taping the Don match fight, I thought that that was a perfect way to judge how successful Malarkey would be against Farras. And it was. It was. <laughs> Mal- Malarkey takes him down five times, controls him for seven minutes on the ground, and we, we don't get that decision. Then... You know, we use that information to fade for us in the Luigi fight, and it's like it took Luigi two rounds of getting his ass whooped to realize that he needs to shoot a takedown, you know?
0: Um, Definition of a 10-8 round.
1: Definitely a definition of a 10-8 round in that third round. It should have been a draw. Maybe not a robbery, but it should have been a draw. Um, I hear that Feroz's striking is on a different level um, than a lot of the fighters in the division, but I can't trust that this fight is going to stay on the feet mckinney's another tough fighter to cat, but for an entirely different reason um he finishes his fight so quickly that we rarely get to see him right. utilize his whole game um similar to like randy costa he's easy one to get hyped up for but in the few times that we have seen him go outside that first round have to utilize his wrestling um he's shown some issues man we saw him even though it wasn't extreme kind of start to slow down in that woodson fight before he got caught mm-hmm. and um I don't know how to play this fight, to be honest with you. When I look at the odds, the the more the, the guy who's more likely to finish is McKinney. Um, and and Feroz is definitely more likely to win a decision win. But you've got fight doesn't go to the decision at um, like minus 300. And it's really hard to like bank on that when one side of that mm-hmm. fight is contributing way more than the other. I think I'm going to lay off this fight, but um, Feroz parlay with like an over one and a half or or something maybe for Ross decision only I'd be curious to see what that looks like Um, because he definitely his odds
0: increase the longer this fight goes yeah so I will probably lay off on it but I'm a big big fan of Terrence McKinney man I told you I vividly remember where I was in college just hearing about this guy's story and stuff right before the Woodson fight and just seeing this guy's like you would say god-given athleticism frame knowing that wrestling background that he had he was the sixth ranked recruit coming out of high school you know was mm-hmm. going full ride was coached in high school by michael kiesa he actually put that out in the picture earlier this week um there's just such a foundation there for for the guy to thrive and he looked phenomenal against shot once for fucking eight or nine minutes you know and then he gets up he lo- he looks a little bit tired and he ducks that head and gets flying neat and Ducking that head is something that I don't like when you're facing a really good striker like Faraz Ziam, who is also very tall himself at six 6'1", one. And is going to, ha- like Woodson, going to have those knees up the middle to offer the same kind of defense on the takedown um, defense. Then you also, you know, you got to mention that, you know, he kind of gassed a little bit in that fight, and since then, all the fights have been in the first round. Mm-hmm. So we've not got to see if that hole has been patched up yet for him, and... As much as I really want to back Terrence McKinney, because I think he's got all the qualities there, he's not shown me enough. Um, whereas I've seen ZM go out there and get UFC wins, and I've seen him go out <laughs> there and be competitive with you know guys who are getting UFC wins. Yeah, you know, I mean, how much after um, the Malarkey fight did you text me and say I've got so much more respect for Malarkey as a fighter and mm-hmm. stuff. Now mm-hmm. that that ZM win win looks way more impressive now after seeing how good Malarkey does you know and man I don't know again I want Terrence McKinney to win here I hope he gets him round I hope he jumps the back I hope he gets the submission and uh, I hope Joe Rogan gets him on the podcast instead of shooting him to the side real quick <laughs> but uh, no action here from me it's one of the closer fights to call but it is one of the fights that I am most excited about you got a striker versus grappler I'll go with the grappler and Terrence McKinney moving down the card we're in the flyweight division where we see Cody Durden who's 11-3 and 1 taking on Arichi Lang who is 18 and 8 but Cody Durden you've got him coming off about a year layoff here where he tore his ACL during the Jimmy Flick fight that he lost and he did get caught in a flying triangle there but man, up until that point he was pretty much winning every single minute of that man his hands looked very sharp he had a good jab hit him with a nice uppercut and Dude, when he took Jimmy Flick down, he got to the back immediately, flattened him out. You know, definitely had his moments there, man. And he's always got that wrestling to go to in the back pocket, which I think is going to be huge here. Where Richie Lang has some good offensive wrestling, the guy does not have very good defensive wrestling, in my opinion. Um, where Lang, he did take home fight of the night his first time out on UFC 261, which is the first fight or the first card back in front of fans, and just finish after finish. So. To take home 50K and that kind of night, props to you, man. But it's only a one-fight sample size, but he got hit 12 times per minute. He averaged significant strikes absorbed of 12 per minute. So the guy's striking defense is absolutely abysmal. And I think Cody Durden's got a bit more power in the hands than Jeff Molina. He's also got the wrestling to fall back on. Where Lang, I will give it to him, man, he showed extremely toughness and he showed extremely good cardio where he was walking um, – You know, walking Molina down to the very last second and rocked him as well. So, I'm going to side with Durden here. Actually, I'm pretty confident on Durden, but I also think I want to take a stab on. Doesn't go the distance because I think both these guys have a finishing upside and have the finishing history. You know, yeah, it's it's very odd coming in here to think that I think Durden is one
1: of the more um, confident Mm -hmm. favorites on this card. (laughs) Um, But I do think that that's the case. You know, when you look at a Richie Langs history he's been subbed three times in his career and against far inferior um, grapplers than cody durden um you touched about you touched on um lane kind of having um a good striking game and if this stayed on the feet I actually do kind of lean him I just don't think that that's going to be an issue for Cody Durden Mm -hmm. Cody Durden uh, usually a bantamweight so is um, Lang but I think Durden will probably be the the bigger guy in this Mm -hmm. I think he'll be able to get it to the ground and um, the the grappling I just think that it's head and shoulders above where the striking is kind of we're splitting hairs on who's better Um, Durden um, easier matchup than both Jimmy Flick and Chris Gutierrez who mm-hmm. if you can steal a 10-8 round early on on somebody like Chris Gutierrez who's shown that he's an upper echelon of the division I think that you could do it against Lang here man yeah. and make it look relatively easy I wouldn't be surprised at all with the first round finish from Durden here but taking the fight doesn't go to decision at plus money than being flyweights uh, plenty of reasons why that would be the side to go to as opposed to just picking one fighter and yeah. um, taking their inside the distance
0: line. Yeah, I don't know really yeah. how much I could add here. Um, I like Cody Durden. I like doesn't go the distance and probably expect something to be really similar to that, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Our next fight takes place in the featherweight division where we see Sean Soriano taking on Shaylin Nerdimbeke. Um And <laughs> I, for me, it's impossible to take Sean Soriano at these odds coming in as a minus 275 when you've proven time and time again that UFC (laughs) yeah UFC caliber competition is kind of your Achilles heel Um, (laughs) Sean I know is dropping down to 145 as true weight class um, but I still don't think he's going to cover these price tags you look at his opponent um, Shaylin has a wrestling heavy attack big overhand right but doesn't move his head very Mm -hmm. well Um, and and, you know Sean is kind of notorious for winning rounds um, and then out of nowhere getting submitted even in his wins at some point in the fight sean's gonna get out grappled <laughs> and it's like it, it's really tough to bank on him here i think that sean will have the much cleaner striking and unless the shaylen has made marginal improvements to his takedown entries i think sean's gonna find find that um, that kill shot on the feet personally i think the only way that you can play this is the soriano tko it's in the, like plus 220 ish range um but I know I know some people are liking that <laughs> submission prop that that
0: um, Sean's shown some some problems with. A hundred percent, man. Um, Shailen has won two of his last three wins by submission, and he shot fourteen takedowns in that Kulaval fight. And to see Sean Soriano submitted in five of his seven losses, I was screaming for everybody to bet that Jago sub at plus one thousand. It closed fight night at like plus six hundred. You're gonna give me plus twelve hundred here to fade Soriano's grappling defense. Uh, give me some of that. I am gambling all day on it. Uh, with Shylin, man, he he's gonna bring the style of fight that Sean Soriano doesn't want, at least for the first round. You know, he's gonna try to put you up against the cage where he's a whole lot stronger. He's got a real big center of gravity. Um, he just kind of wings big overhands to close the distance, um, and when he gets you down, you know, he looks to. Uh, ground and pound you into a submission. And that tendency uh, has, you know, has been Sean's weakness. But, man, on the feet, Sean is just as, you know, is just as talented to be able to take advantages of those holes just like Kulabau did, man. After round one, you know, when Shilin gets up gassed off the mat, Kulabau is slamming in those calf kicks. He's finding the home for that right hand. And you're talking about Soriana, who's a striking coach with Henry Hooft at Sanford MMA, who's got very good boxing, very fast hands. He's going to have his openings as well. If he takes the center of the cage and makes this offensive wrestler defensively wrestle and go back, um, I think that's going to exhaust this guy with a massive frame, and Sean really does have potential to find find the finish late. I am not interested in betting Sean at the number like you talked about. I think he has to go through a tough first round. I think he's going to have to defend some takedowns, and I think you get a better number on Sean um, live. I know you can't track that, um, but I do like his TKO prop. But my, uh, I think it's at minus 135. I've, I've laid a pretty good couple units there on this fight not going the distance just because I clearly see both guys um, have the success where the other have holes. But, yeah, my pick is going to be Soriano by TKO. I just, I can't I can't pass up a plus 1,200 to fade Soriano's grappling defense yet again, you know. I hear yeah. And last up for us. First fight of the night, though, we got Luana Pinero, who is 9-1, taking on the 5-3, and Sam Hughes. This line probably has a lot to do with the looks, in my opinion, you know, because I don't know if Luana Pinero is necessarily a minus 400 favorite here to Sam Page, and minus 435 and minus 450 in some spots. It's, it's just a typical white women's MMA line that I'm going to be staying away from. Luana... You Know she dates flyweight Matthias Nicolaou, they train out of Nova Unal. Um, and she's supposed to be taking on Jessica Nay here, uh, but Sam Hughes is stepping up here on short notice and probably a pretty easy and much easier test, in my opinion. Um, but also kind of the same style as Sam Hughes is going to be trying to get that grittiness, that cage control, and stuff. But man, I just don't know if that's the kind of style you want to have with Luana because. She was straight-up tossing random Marcos around the cage, and she looks very, very dangerous in the clinch. She was fighting backwards, really good, slinging hooks. And man, with Sam, it's like, yeah, she's real tough, but at the same time, she kind of wanted out of that Torres fight at the same time, in my opinion. I just... I don't know, man. I, I think if Sam Hughes has any success, is because we see Leon, Luana come out there and whoop her ass so much in round one that she gasses out after a 10-8 or something. Sam Hughes, and it's like a fight parlay. Sam Hughes, and over two and a half is like plus 500. That's a little tempting to me. Um, but what I'm liking, the draw here is plus 5,000. And Luana has potential to 10 her here. And also, you know, two more rounds for uh, Sam Page. But, man, Luana was getting screamed at because she was just poking line of Marcos in the eyes. And I'm telling you, there's a point deduction coming here and I'm about to cash a 5000 to open up the night on Saturday. Luana Pinero is going to be the pick, though. How about yourself? Yeah, man. So it's it's tough to fade somebody
1: who has a first round like that against Random Marcos, yeah. man. Like, truly, I don't think I've ever seen a woman throw around another UFC fighter Dumped her on like her head. <laughs> over and over and over again, man. But that big question is. Why did she fake that up kick, man? I mean, I know, like, maybe she didn't show evidence of her slowing down, but, I mean, that would have been the first time that she gotten out of the first round in over four years. Like, did she sense things were going south? And, um, you know, the last time that she did get out of that first round, she lost by split decision. I think that there's a ton of unknowns from Luana. Um, Yeah, she could beat anybody in the first round, but eventually she's going to run into somebody who's gritty, who has that amazing cardio and is willing to give her that true fight. An in step Sam Page, man. She's going
0: to give her that fight. I mean, Sam Page's
1: <laughs> career has been pretty shaky up to this point. She's three and four, three and oh, one and three in her last <laughs> yeah. four fights, oh, and two in the UFC. But um, look at the two girls that she's losing to. Like Loma Lukbumi, pretty high on my list, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And then Tisha Torres is a top five. Like, she just got fed to the wolves yeah. in that fight. Um, is, you it look... the, is it the inverted triangle to Vanessa that hey is... now that Vanessa Demopolis <laughs> lost that's a comeback story San of this pages. century yeah, man page. you know if, to me Sam Page has been finished twice in her career but it's not losses that were her accumulating enough damage to like quitting necessarily one's by Dr. Stoppage and the other by, by submission um, she's been twice to this been to the decision twice with uh, Lupe Godinez who I think you know as far as physicality and and a finishing threat similar to Panero here um, I personally like um, Hughes round 3 plus 2500, Hughes inside the distance up to plus 900 and um, Hughes money line I'm not going to be playing any of those heavy um, and Shoot, the, when we came into this, um, we saw a line, Hughes by decision only is mm-hmm. plus 250. Yeah. I think that's a fucking safe way to play Hughes here. If you can get plus 250 against um, Luana, who hasn't seen the judges. Yeah, and in, finished everybody. Finished everybody, hasn't seen the judges in years, and the last time that she did, she lost. I think Sam Hughes is a decent underdog pick at plus 250 by decision only i'll take back all the round three stuff i do think round three at plus 2500 is the most likely time that she finishes the fight um but shoot give me that give me that decision only plus
0: 250 i think that
1: those are great odds
0: might not have any action on the pod but i'm hoping one of us uh stab on these dgens and start the night off right wraps up the breakdown for all the fights going through them real quick to recap the casual cap's going to be on the main event there misha tate versus Caitlin vera again super closely lined fight in the main event I can't wait for that one, but man, if there's a fight throughout the whole card people need to pay attention for, which one's that going to be? It's got to
1: be that co-main, you know, between Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady, arguably could be the main event
0: here, Mm -hmm. and will probably be just a fucking awesome fight. Yeah, definitely should be the main event. For me, it's going to be the one open up the main card, Adrian Yanez, Davey Grant. Mm -hmm. um, Both of them are in absolute killer fights all the time, you know, fireworks and... They're um, you know, they're counting Davy Davy out here, you know, and I think this is going to be an absolute killer fight where Yanez is going to have you know some fire coming back his way. Um, if there's a fighter for you to watch, who's that going to be? So it's going to be the guy coming off the ACL tear, like Cody it. Durden. Um, like he's it.
1: sitting at favorite odds here, and I actually like him in this mm-hmm. spot. Um, it's odd, but I do think that he has some some things to prove here um, to kind of solidify himself as a
0: UFC fighter. Gotcha. For me, it's going to be Misha Tate. Uh, you know, she's in her second main event spot here. She's, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, she beat a 40 something year old. Um, I know Caitlin is a, a big, big step up from what Marion or no is, and I'm curious to see if the game has passed her up. So um, big eyes on Misha Tate here on Saturday. What about an underdog for you?
1: Underdog for me is going to have to be Loma. Not yeah. necessarily that I'm going to be pulling the trigger myself, but damn, I think Loma. Um, technically is one of the, mm-hmm. the most skilled strikers in the division and if she can keep this on the feet it could be a long night for loopy absolutely
0: man for me um i'm on a you know there's a couple fights that are just pickums and stuff going back and forth but right now you can snag terrence mckinney as a dog and i just i got a soft spot for the guy i want a whole <laughs> lot of success for him and i think he's got the foundation to where if this guy can get the work ethic in as well and a good team around him um you know he could make a splash what about the prop for you that you like Prop for me is going to be the Sabatini by decision only. You that's ain't got to worry. One of the best bets, oh
1: man, that's I mean you get him at better odds, and I really do think yeah. that that's his most likely path to victory. You don't have to worry about him getting chin checked like yep. he did in his last fight. Um,
0: Sabatini by decision only is a killer one. I feel very, very, very strongly about my plus five thousand draw to start the night off, man. Um, if I'm not even banking on Luana with the ten eight and Sam Page coming back or anything. Luana's going to poke somebody in the eye. There's going to be a point deduction, something. They're going to kick the night off with a funky-ass fight, cashing a plus 5,000, and I can't wait. Best bet for you on the card? Best
1: bet for me is going to have to be Sean Brady. Um, I felt kind of weird about taking Sean Brady at favorite odds against his hardest competition to date. But, man, the more
0: I look at it, the more I think Sean Brady's kind of got him everywhere. I am the same way. Um, And if we put him on the best bet, man, you know. Maybe we should find some way to play him here. Right. and Same for this goes for Santos, man. I know she is one of the biggest favorites on the card, but her style of fights where Joanne struggles with, man, in the takedown defense, and she's also going to be the much bigger girl, the much younger girl, not freshly married at 35 on her last chance to get in a, you know, at a shot for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, big on Talia Santos to take home the win on Saturday. Appreciate you guys tuning in, doing things a little bit differently, starting with the, with the main fights coming down, and we're off next week before I jump into some big pay-per-views. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Peace.